Jesus is gathered in this, this upper room with his, his disciples. Now, there's just 11 of them with him at this point, and the clock is ticking because his hour has come. That's how Jesus will put it. He knows his time is short. And these disciples, who he invites to think of him as a friend, he's pouring out wisdom and last words and messages and things that he wants them to stick because this is it. After they leave this room, he is going the way of the cross and this is it. And Jesus is trying to just kind of like stick the landing with every last bit of things that he wants his disciples to remember and internalize and to prepare them with. And he's kind of going on and on and on. And that's what it felt like me for me reading it this week. It's like Jesus has literally got moments left to live and he's sharing his final words. And man, I was just bored. I was reading it. I couldn't get into it. He was going on and on and on. Have you ever been around people who go on and on and on? And you love them. And what they're saying is good. And you're kind of there in spirit, but you're just, I don't know, distracted or maybe consumed in yourself or, or, or something like that. You ever have moments like that reading the Bible? Have you ever had lives like that reading the Bible? It was like that for me this week. You know, we're going through this, this, this time of Jesus impressing these final words, and we're, we're at the back half of John 14 if you want to key in. It's, like, it's good stuff. It's important stuff. And, and I just couldn't get my mind into it. I couldn't get my heart into it. I couldn't meet him in that place. And it just kind of like hit me in the moment. You know, Jesus does not exist for my amusement. And so taking that to heart and trying to change perspective went into it again. I'm going to share those words of Jesus with you today. And then we'll, we'll unpack them together. And if you're getting lost or having a hard time following or emotionally investing, maybe for, for lack of a better way of putting it, like as I read these, well, then, then, then just know you're in good company here. Um, and it's okay. But remind yourself that Jesus doesn't exist for your amusement either. And, and, and just ask him for a little help. And ask, ask him for a lot of help, actually. Ask him to help you just reorient, if you will, and, 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 and suck the marrow out of what he's saying because he thought it important enough to share when he only had moments left. Follow along with me if you'd like. John chapter 14. I'm going to pick this up. In verse 15, listen to what he says. If you love me, you will obey what I command. And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another counselor to be with you forever. The spirit of truth. The world cannot accept him. Because it neither sees him nor knows him. But you know him, for he lives with you and will be in you. I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. Before long, the world will not see me anymore. 
but you will see me. Because I live, you also will live. On that day, you will realize that I am in my Father, and you are in me, and I am in you. Whoever has my commands and obeys them, he is the one who loves me. He who loves me will be loved by my Father, and I too will love him and show myself to him. Then Judas, not Judas Iscariot, said, But Lord, why do you intend to show yourself to us, not to the world? Here's what Jesus said. If anyone loves me, he will obey my teaching. My Father will love him, and we will come to him and make our home with him. Which bothers me because he doesn't seem to answer the question. He who does not love me will not obey my teaching. These words you hear are not my own. They belong to the Father who sent me. All this I have spoken while still with you. But the Counselor, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things and will remind you of everything I have said to you. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give you. I do not give to you as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled. And do not be afraid. You heard me say, I'm going away and I'm coming back to you. If you loved me, you would be glad that I am going to the Father. For the Father is greater than I. I have told you now before it happens so that when it does happen, you will believe. I will not speak with you much longer, for the prince of this world is coming. He has no hold on me. But the world must learn that I love the Father and that I do exactly what my Father has commanded me. So come on, let's leave. Nakid kind of threw out this, this idea, and I'm sure you picked up on it. And it's really throughout Jesus' teaching, it's throughout the New Testament that the, 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 the key facet, really one of the primary drives of a Christian, of someone who follows Jesus, someone who's kind of been taken by him and wants to follow him, is to learn to discern his will. Because Jesus' will is fundamentally a reflection of God's will. Jesus' will is God's will. Jesus talks about this a lot. I and the Father are one. When you hear me speak, you're actually hearing the Father in heaven speak through me. So one of the primary drives of a Christian is really to kind of discern Jesus' will and follow it. Obey it. If you love me, you'll obey my commands. He said it like four times in there. And this week is not the only time that we've come across those words. Jesus is impressing that out there and pushing that out there. This last will and testament language of listen to me and follow me and do what I say and obey my commands. Because God loves you and God is showing you a different way, a different path, a different Life And he impresses it on him again and again and again. And I think the difficulty that we have, that certainly I have, you can speak for yourself, is don't you think it would just be a lot easier sometime if you were there in that upper room and you could just ask Jesus his will. Tell me what to do. Help me to figure out this situation. 
Tell me what's right and wrong in this instance. Have you ever had those moments? Right? If God were just here, it would be so much better. If we could just ask him face to face, have you ever kind of heard people talk like this? Well, you know, when I get to heaven, I'm just going to ask God and then we'll have it all figured out, right? Like these disciples were the luckiest people in the world because Jesus was right there and you can just ask him. It feels like that, doesn't it? Makes a lot of sense. But I tell you, it takes reading the New Testament for like 90 seconds to realize that wasn't the case for like anybody. His disciples' journey was more of an exercise in missing the point than in getting it. Half the time, they didn't know what the heck he was talking about. They were afraid to ask him. They're like, I don't know, you ask him. I'm not asking him, you ask him. And then they'd ask him and then he'd tell them plainly. And we sit here in 2023 going, oh yeah, it's so wise. Like we're so above the disciples back then. And they didn't know what to make of it. I mean, Jesus was compelling. He, he, was, he was like magnetic, you know? People followed him. People knew there was something here. But half the time, it's just like they're, they're walking away. Like this, I don't know, half the time they thought he was nuts. And the other half the time they thought he was demon-possessed. Who knows, maybe that was a foil because they didn't like what he said. But I think it dispels the myth really quick that if we were sitting here face to face physically with Jesus today, or if we were transported back to like 27 AD or something like that, and we're able to follow him and talk to him face to face, that it would be easier to discern his will and put it into practice. And Jesus just kind of, he just depth charges that idea, you know? He, he nukes that idea out of the water and the stories that you see of people interacting with him just seem to counter it. What's really cool in this passage today is, is, is it's almost like Jesus knows this. I mean, Jesus, Jesus ain't dumb. Can we agree on that? Jesus is not dumb. He knows what he's talking about. He's perceptive and discerning. And he has this way to look into kind of like your heart and soul and discern what's really going on, the question behind the question, the issues behind what's stated. He has a way like peering behind the veil, you know, of everything that's kind of put forward and know what's really going on. And the disciples kind of keep coming back on him going, well, like, like why won't you just explain it plainly? Why don't you just explain it to the world? And he tells them, it's good that I'm going. It's good that I'm going because even though I'm going, you are going to get something better instead. What the heck can be better than face to face with Jesus? Well, I'll tell you because he tells you and it's riddled throughout the back half of this passage. He says, even though I go away, I will still come to be with you. I will send my spirit. He says the Father will send the spirit too because Jesus has no problem talking out of both sides of his mouth at one point saying the Father's doing it, another point saying he'll do it because when you're one with someone, I guess it works that way, right? But he said, you know, it's, it's, it's for your good that I'm going especially for those of you who are really trying to figure out how to discern my will, how to follow it, how to obey it, how to, how to seek that new life that God is offering. It's good that I'm going because if I didn't go, the Spirit wouldn't come. I'm going and I'm sending the Spirit and He will guide you in all 
things. That God's very breath, God's very life force, God's very spirit, Jesus says, is going to be poured out on you. And all who call on his name. So that seeing God and experiencing God and discerning God's will and communicating with God in order to try to follow him and obey him is not restricted to those who are physically present with him in a patch of real estate in what we might call Palestine. But that anyone who calls upon the name of the Lord, wherever they might live, under whatever conditions from the Middle East to China to South America, from those who live in mansions to those who are locked in solitary confinement in prisons, to those who are able and to those who are in comas, God's Spirit is there to guide them in all things. I will send one ahead of you. And I want to talk about the language that Jesus uses to describe what this Spirit of God is like. I'm reading you out of NIV here today. It's a great translation, one of many great translations. This is the 84 vintage, if you will. And mine puts it this way. A counselor. I will send the counselor who is to come. My suspicion is if you're reading a different year, a different vintage, if you will, or if you're reading a different translation, you might get some other words because every translator kind of deals with this word that Jesus uses here. And I'm going to unpack it for you today because it's loaded and chock full of insight into what the Spirit of God is actually going to do. Let's start with the word counselor. I'm not going to ask for a show of hands though you don't need to be embarrassed and ashamed, who's gone to see a counselor? I have gone, oh, show your hands, okay, great. I have gone to see many. And it has been some of the most phenomenal experiences in my life for my emotional, but also my spiritual, and therefore my overall sense of being and perspective and health, men and women who have chosen to guide me, to build into me, to challenge me, to draw out of me what I'm having trouble articulating and then speaking in with wisdom, not demands or commands, but wisdom based out of place of trust to help me navigate the path. That's what a counselor does. It's why people spend hundreds if not thousands and tens of thousands of dollars desperately seeking wisdom as they chart the course of their life. And Jesus says, I'm going to send you one that the 84 vintage calls a counselor. One to bring wisdom. That God is looking to bring wisdom and guidance and direction. No, no, but despite what you might think, not even commands or demands that God will not force you. But he will help bring clarity to this, this exercise we call life and the questions and challenges and uncertainties we face to help you navigate it. God is saying, my spirit is going to come and if I didn't go, this counselor wouldn't come, but my counselor is gonna be poured out to help you discern the way of God in the perspective of God in this life. That sounds pretty good, doesn't it? Would you like a good counselor? How about a divine one? 
who isn't dependent on just what you tell them, but knows you more intimately than you even know yourself, and so can speak wisdom into the darkest and most undefined places of your soul, God's spirit, Jesus says, is gonna be here to guide you in that. Other translations might call him this, a comforter, that God will send his comforter. Do any of you have that flavor here today? Well, probably not if you didn't read. But it might be in your translation that you like to use. I think of times in people of crisis, times of tragedy. Maybe you've had someone like this in your life. Maybe you've been someone like this to someone else. Someone to come alongside of you. Sometimes simply to be there when no words should even be spoken. But something about their presence comes into the situation at hand. Many of you experienced this in a time of tragedy, I am sure when just the presence of someone who knows you and loves you came alongside of you to be there, to simply be there. And Jesus says, I am sending a comforter, one to be present in your life, one to be with you wherever you go. A comforter to be there in the times of crisis and uncertainty and struggle, a time of tragedy and the times of despair. One to be there in the times when you sit there going, I don't know what to do. I don't see a way forward. This feels without hope to comfort you in that place. This is what God's spirit does. And Jesus says, I'm sending a comforter to you. That sounds pretty good, doesn't it? To have a comforter in your life. And when that comforter is nothing short of God himself who knows every wound, who loves you and whose heart breaks for you in every way, who is invested in you not for the hourly rate or out of a sense of familial or friendship duty, but truly there with you, comforting you, Counseling you, it's what Jesus says. He's sending. Other translations will put this a different way. Many of the commentators who write on it argue even the best way. I don't know, maybe. But we certainly need it in the mix. An advocate. That Christ will send an advocate on your behalf. It's not the only time we get advocate language in the Bible. Jesus himself is called an advocate. One who speaks on your behalf before God himself in heaven. Can I ask you today? Have you ever, have you ever feared being in God's presence? Is it scary to you in any kind of way? 
Like if you allow yourself to really consider it, to go, someday I am going to have to stand before God. And when I do, my life will be laid bare. No more secrets. Everything before God to be seen. It can be a little intimidating, can't it? It can be a little frightening, and I think the more honest we are with ourselves, the more frightening it can be, but, but Christ says, no, I'm your advocate, because when you stand before God, I'm standing right there beside you, advocating on your behalf. And when your advocate is the very son of the judge or the God in heaven, that's the kind of advocate I want to have. How about you? But it's more than that. Have you ever cried out before God, how long, Lord? How long until you fix this? How long until you correct this? How long until you answer this? How long until you do what you said you would do? How long until you right the wrongs? How long until your kingdom comes? How long until have you cried out to God, pleading like that? Have you cried out to God, asking for justice? Asking for mercy, asking for intervention. Jesus says, I'll send an advocate to speak on your behalf. That as you cry out to God, the very Spirit of God is crying out on your behalf. How would you like God Himself to advocate on your behalf? Would that strike you as a pretty good advocate? If you're ever looking for an attorney to plead your case, would you like God to be that attorney? I kind of feel like he would win. <laughs> and that's what Jesus says he's sending. A counselor, a comforter, an advocate, the very spirit of God himself to do these things. For you. No wonder Jesus can say in the same passage, you will do greater things than these. Because the advocate himself is speaking on your behalf while Jesus is at the right hand of the Father in heaven doing the same. Talk about the tag team of all space and time. And Jesus says this, don't let your hearts be troubled. Don't be afraid. Did you catch that language in here? How did he put it? I am not leaving you as orphans. You are not alone. Because disciples, even though I'm, I'm jetting, even though I'm leaving, even though my hour has come, I am sending the Spirit in my place to guide you, to comfort you, to counsel you, to advocate for you. In all things, that is a promise worth owning. That is a promise worth banking on. Some translations won't even translate it at all. They'll simply use the, the original Greek term and go, there, there, there's too much to draw out of this, just learn the word. A paraclete. Can you say that here today? Yeah, not a parakeet. <laughs> a paraclete. A comforter, a counselor, an advocate. 
That's what he says he's sending. Yeah, Jesus is one and the spirit is another. And no matter what you face, no matter what uncertainties you're navigating, doubts, questions, and, and like unknowns, when you find yourselves in those times going, Lord, I don't know what to do. Lord, I don't know the best way. Lord, I wish you would just show me. Lord, I wish you'd just make it right. Lord, Lord, I wish, I wish, I wish, I wish. Lord, help me. Jesus says, anything asked in my name, my spirit is there to guide you. That doesn't mean that we can just say whatever we want and go, in Jesus' name, amen, and God's going to do it. But according to his character, according to his purpose, situated in perspective into his way of being, when we immerse ourselves in Jesus' way for this world, ooh, that spirit will rage on your behalf. Comforting and counseling and advocating. And Jesus dares you to trust him with it. Trust in God, trust also in me. I'm not lying to you, he says. That's some pretty heavy hitting, pretty amazing, pretty powerful last will and testament. Would you agree? Because he loves you. And when you love someone, you don't leave them fending for yourself. So let's sing. Band's going to come up. Use a song as a way to just remind yourself of God's love. Remind yourself of Jesus' call. To let your life be driven by discerning his will. And obeying his commands as an expression of your love for him. And as a cry for his spirit. To comfort, counsel, and advocate on your behalf. So let's rise. And with the song and the words on the screen, let's pray.